All right, let's do this. Hey guys, I'm Parker Kane. Thanks for listening to my podcast, Upbeat. I share a lot of motivational stuff and info on social media, music, and entertainment. But I will also be sharing my personal experiences and interviewing all kinds of other people for their stories and their experiences, finding and pursuing what they really love to do. Let's get into it. Hey guys, this is Upbeat. I'm your host, Parker Kane. Thanks for being here. Thanks for tuning in. I appreciate it. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, definitely subscribe to the show, rate five stars, and leave a review. Because honestly, I don't think it's even an option for other platforms. Uh, Maybe I'm totally off on that, but I think it's pretty much an Apple thing. So if you're listening on Apple, rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. And if you're listening on Spotify or iHeart or any of the other platforms, hit the follow button or the auto download button or whatever options are available to you (laughs) so you never miss an episode. I'd really appreciate that. In this episode, I interview Victoria Bird, who is a brand ambassador for the one, the only McDonald's, who you have all probably guessed by now is a business that I really love as I've worked a lot with them in the past. But it was fun talking with her uh, about some McDonald's behind the scenes stuff. Uh, So the first 10 minutes or so of the interview is McDonald's talk. But then we dive deep into the story of her life and discuss how she made it where she is today. And we discuss the importance of building authentic relationships and being authentic 100% of the time, as well as a bunch of other helpful and relatable topics. Let's get into it. Thank you, Victoria, for being on the show with me. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. To kick things off, could you just briefly tell the listeners who you are and what it is you do? Absolutely. So um, I'm Victoria Bird, and I am out of Pocatello. Idaho. I am the communications manager for a local owner operator that has a franchise of McDonald's restaurants. So I do a lot of internal external communication um, between corporate world to the franchise and local market. And then external things, I do all of our community outreach, sponsorships. We uh, sponsor a lot of events. We're very involved in the community. So I have a lot of opportunities to get involved through uh, my position. Like, Did you originally see yourself in a position like that? Or what was kind of the path to get there? Yeah. Oh, absolutely not. So I started working um, for McDonald's when I was 16. It's been about 21 years. Like a crew member? Yeah. Oh, awesome. Like <laughs> with the visor and the, the blue shirt. And the blue shirt. <laughs> I think they were actually green back then. Yeah. Oh, the whole polyester. It. Yep. That was me. So I worked my way through the restaurants, um, up through the different uh, management levels. And then my husband uh, finished his bachelor's degree and was going to continue on with his master's. And we had two little kids at the time. And in order to care for them, I quit my job and we took a leap of faith of we would be able to pay our mortgage (laughs) and still raise a family. And I was outside of the restaurants for about two weeks when our owner operator contacted me and asked me to just do a few community events part time. Mm -hmm. And so over the course of the last 12 years, um, that role has just grown and developed as my family's gotten older and as I've had um, more opportunities to be involved in different things. Um, So the position that I hold has... I have a tremendous owner-operator that has let me grow with the position and just kind of develop my own... um, job. (laughs) Your own position. Yeah, it's kind of fantastic. (laughs) As a little kid, like, what did you want to be? Miss America. Miss America? (laughs) And did you ever like go like go for that or pursue that? No. Well, my whole career path fell apart when I was 12 years old and I crashed in Island Park and got a huge uh, scar on my leg. Was it uh, like four-wheeling or what was the uh, I was riding a moped and oh. I was taking my dad lunch. He was working up there and I crashed on the side of the road. So all of my Miss America aspirations were totally killed at age 12. 
Dang. Yeah. I had different career things I thought I'd want to do. I thought I wanted to be an elementary school teacher. Um, started having my own kids and realized that I don't have that much love in my heart to love everybody else's kids. So, <laughs> and then, um, like I kind of have stumbled on my career, um, by accident and, mm-hmm. um, a lot of, um, what I've done has been based on relationships that I've built with people, them seeing things in me and helping me to identify what I'm good at and what things I'm passionate about yeah. and then backing me up and, and you know, giving me room to explore and, and figure out what, what I want to do. Was there like someone there, like a specific person that really just kind of mentored you? Absolutely. So Mary Johnson, who is um, who is my boss and our owner operator in Pocatello, she started me when I was still in the restaurants doing um, McTeacher nights. It gave me an opportunity to reach to start reaching out into the community and working with the school district and having um, schools come in that we did fundraisers for. Okay. And so when I left the stores full time, she asked me to continue to do those McTeacher nights. And so I did those just strictly those for a few years and. And then it was like, well, we want to do um, this other event. Can you help us like coordinate our sponsorship dollars or, or we want to have a, a vendor booth at something? And so it's just kind of grown and developed. And I have had the opportunity to see um, the different uh, community organizations that there are and what I'm interested in and then be a part of them and just kind of uh, be a a brand ambassador for McDonald's. For someone who doesn't know at all what a brand ambassador is, what is that? So a brand ambassador was a concept that developed a few years ago. And there have been a lot of um, brands that have kind of jumped on this where they have somebody that goes out in the community or... um, represents the brand wherever they go. So if people have questions, it doesn't matter where I go. Somebody always wants to tell me about their experience that they had at McDonald's or, oh, Mm -hmm. I I heard that McDonald's is doing this. And so being able to answer those questions directly into a community is essentially what a brand ambassador does. Um, It works especially well for small franchisees like ours that are very specific in the Pocatello Chubbuck area to be able to... um, answer questions and have a local presence because a lot of times when there's bigger businesses, people forget that there's somebody local that is attached yeah. to that McDonald's brand. Mm-hmm. And, and I didn't know also that there were different food items for different places. <laughs> yeah, there's different different demographics all across. The I mean, world. yeah, across the world for sure. But even like the demographic in Salt Lake is a totally different market than what is here in Pocatello. So that's when people are like, well, why I go to Utah and they have a spicy chicken. Why don't we have a spicy chicken? <laughs> so it's interesting. And like as yeah. a brand ambassador or as like um, my my role um, with that external communication piece is being able to communicate um, some of those areas of business about the, the brand that people don't understand. Because uh, so often people walk into a McDonald's or, or, you know, fill in the blank with whichever corporation Mm -hmm. it is. And they think, oh, this is just a big global brand with no real local presence. But 
there is very much a local presence. <laughs> yeah. And so being able to communicate that and, and, and putting a face to a brand is really helpful. Definitely. Well, and this is just a fun kind of side question, but my friend Hadley and I, he and I went to high school together, Pocatello High School. His favorite thing on the menu was the Black Angus burger, yeah. I think is what it's called. Yep. And now I'm talking like 2010, 2011. Mm-hmm. Uh, a hot minute ago. Yeah. And he's still talking about it he's he misses it he and i loved it and it's like where did that go so like what kind of decides like when a certain item comes and goes it's actually a multi-layered question uh Uh, so the way mcdonald's is structured there's um like a a local co-op our co-op includes most of southern western Idaho. Mm -hmm. Um, And the owner operators get together. They're presented with different uh, marketing things and strategies, a a few things, and they're able to vote to decide what they think is best. Um, Then we're also part of a region and we're part of the um, Denver region. And so they, McDonald's is a huge organization with a lot of resources. And so Mm -hmm. they do a lot of um, thinking about what would work best in which market. And so then they send us some of those things. So there are a few things that we have some local control over. For instance, when we moved away from having um, Diet Dr. Pepper, that oh, was a yeah. huge deal. But yeah. um, well, that was a local C? choice. Yeah, so we moved away from High C and now we have um, Fruit Punch. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there, there are small things that we have control over, but like when we get McRib back, we don't have a <laughs> lot to say on that. Yeah. <laughs> no, that makes sense. It's just interesting because once again, the end consumer doesn't really know that. Mm-hmm. And so they're just like, the heck, <laughs> yeah. where'd it go? Yeah. Well, and bless Mary's heart. Whenever something like that happens, we get 1-800 number calls and something mm-hmm. people don't understand as well is if you call in a 1-800 number, that complaint goes directly to Mary's cell phone and she will call you back. <sighs> Hi, I'm Mary right here in Pocatello. I'm happy to help you and assist you. And she's amazing at that, um, that customer recovery aspect. She takes all of those complaints very seriously and and works to really improve, um, the customer experience. Mm -hmm. Well, I apologize. I was kind of a McDonald's tangent. No, that's great. (laughs) My boss will be so happy. I was going to say like free free plugging for uh, McDonald's. Uh, If you're listening to this on your way home somewhere, go stop by McDonald's. Yeah. Stop in and drop your change in the um, Ronald McDonald house buckets as well, because Idaho Falls is going to be opening a Ronald McDonald family room right here at Ermac. So Oh, that's awesome. It's incredible. We've been doing, uh, well, I got to do some stuff with Ronald McDonald House in Nashville. Mm-hmm. And then we saw here at the radio stations I work for, we do things for primary children's uh, every fall. Mm-hmm. And then we usually take a trip down to Utah to see that one. But now yeah. there's going to be one closer. Yeah, there's going to be a family room right here at Ermac. And I think that we're going to be opening September 6th. Wow. So it's like right around the corner. That seriously changes lives. It it truly does. Definitely go do that. Go yeah. grab yourself a cheeseburger and then help out some families. Absolutely. Uh, but definitely the podcast is supposed to be about you <laughs> <laughs> and uh, your story. Uh, so I'm a McDonald's girl at heart. So this is all, <laughs> this is great. Perfect. To get where you're at, what advice would you have for someone? Would it be a similar path of like starting at the bottom, like as a crew member in whatever business they're interested in? 
and then just working their way up and networking? I think my path was pretty unique. I feel very blessed to have had the people in my life that I have. Like I mentioned, Mm -hmm. Mary Johnson has been a huge um, mentor for me in uh, my career. And she has pushed me to get outside of my comfort zone and to um, really explore what my talents are. Did she help you decide your major? In college? She did. Yeah. So I think I I changed my major probably three or four times. And when I um, decided to do uh, marketing and communication, she was thrilled uh, because that was kind of the direction she wanted me to go in. So yeah, finding, I think finding somebody who you can use as a mentor, somebody who demonstrates the qualities that you would like to have is a great way to kind of figure out what your niche is. Because I think, um, you know, it's been said that if you do what you're passionate about, you'll never work a day in your life. And mm-hmm. I think that, that, yeah, I love that too, because there's there's a difference between passion and stress. And so often you hear, oh, I'm so stressed about my job. But when you're doing something that your whole heart is in and that you really love what you do, it kind of transforms your outlook and your paradigm. And you think about, um, you know, the lives that you're impacting or, or the legacy that you're leaving. And it, it kind of reduces that immediate stress. Having that that business mentor, but also having your personal support system is key. I have a tremendous, amazing, phenomenal husband that supports me in all my crazy ideas and who uh, travels with me at five o'clock in the evening to Idaho Falls after he's he's worked all day. Um, He's just, he's there for me all the time. And like you mentioned your mom, like she is your sounding board and she's the one that's encouraging you or who sees the qualities that you have have and you really need people on both sides of the business side the profession side as well as the personal side yeah that that can complement each other and you know they see different sides of you but so often they're able to help you recognize where your strengths are mm-hmm. and to help you make those um those professional decisions or those career decisions as well i love that so you got to Go out there and find yourself a Mary Johnson. Find yourself a Mary Johnson. Find yourself a Jason Bird. Those two specifics are taken, and I'm not sharing. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that. That's a really cool way to think about it. Up until this point in your life, what have been some of the standout like roadblocks mm. that you've had to overcome? The biggest adversity that I have is attaining balance in my life. So often I I forget that the word no exists and people ask me, oh, I think you'd be great to do this. Can you help with that? And my immediate response is always yes. Instead of, okay, if I say yes to this, how is this going to impact all the other yeses that I've given? And um, again, that's where I think having that professional and personal support system works so well because you're telling that I'm telling my boss, I've said, yes, I'm doing X, Y, and Z. And then I'm coming home and I'm telling Jason, I'm doing X, Y, and Z. And they help me to look at the bigger picture of how, if I'm doing this, how is it going to impact all of these other areas? And so they help me to, um, hopefully achieve a little bit more balance between my personal and professional life and not 
overextend myself because I have a very it's a really a character flaw that I have of, of wanting to do everything um, and really overextending and pushing myself. So for me, like my biggest roadblock or my biggest challenge is prioritizing things. Yeah. And if you take on too much, easily gets you bogged down and stressed out and depressed even. Oh, absolutely. Because then, you know, things start to slip and you're not like, I love to be able to give whatever project it is that I'm working on a hundred percent. And so when I can't give that project a hundred percent, that feels like a personal failure. And so then as you know, I'm balancing all of these professional things. And then I also, my number one job is wife and mother. And so seeing the way that that impacts how I'm achieving my, you know, standards of what I want to give to my family. Um, yeah, those are huge. I think that that's something that everybody struggles with is, uh, aligning their priorities with what their long-term, uh, goals are. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. Well, when I looked uh, at my analytics this morning and it said that this podcast's audience is largely 22 to 34 year old adults mm-hmm. which makes sense cuz i'm 26 like that's kind of in my how old was your 22 to 30 22 to 34 oh i'm just outside <laughs> we average somewhere in there okay. <laughs> yes but they're making big decisions yeah in their lives and they're experiencing a lot of stress and depression and anxiety most people are stressed and I think a lot of people in this age demographic are struggling with depression and motivation and like decision making and what mm-hmm. they should do. So what would you say to someone who maybe is in that rough spot right now? Engage unusual voices. And what I mean by that is we mentioned like having having that that mentor on both sides, your personal and your professional life. But yeah. I think it can also be helpful to ask somebody that maybe isn't your best friend or maybe isn't your your go to person and ask them for advice or steps or things that they could do. Because I think it's really easy to ask the people that are in your closest group. And then I think that you run the risk of uh, making decisions in an echo chamber because you you typically surround yourself with people who have very similar um, thoughts, very similar beliefs, uh, similar uh, life goals, all those kinds of things. So um, sometimes you ask the people that you think are going to give you the answer that you want. And so to me, it can be very helpful to talk to both groups. Talk to the people that are your go-to people that are on your list of, you know, if I end up in jail, who am I calling first? But then also ask the people who, um, who, who know you, but who maybe don't, don't share your same, you know, belief or maybe, uh, have a very different career path maybe than you do and, and listen to those opposing voices, um, just so that you're making sure that you're coming to a balanced decision. My husband and I have very different personalities and we have different strengths and weaknesses and we think about things very differently. And so he sometimes, even though I know he has my back no matter what, he pushes me to think things all the way through and to think about them from varying angles. Yeah. Well, and it can all be respectful. Oh, absolutely. That's that's the hard part. I feel like people... I mean, one of my favorite things to to talk about is surround yourself with like-minded people, mm-hmm. um, surround yourself with people who build you up, you know, but I don't think 
they have to be like-minded to build you up. No. I feel like you could have a group of people that build you up even though you believe totally different oh, things. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there, there are people that I, um, that I work with in the community that I sit on boards with where we have very different personalities. We have very different uh, belief systems, but uh, we come together and we're able to discuss issues and we're able to come to a better decision because of those differences. And I yeah. think that that's an important thing that people don't don't give enough credit to is the ability to be able to engage um, different voices and in a respectful way and to be able to, you know, look at things from all angles and yeah. admit sometimes that our our own view of things are often very biased yeah, and super sometimes skewed. Yeah, we don't we don't like to pay attention to our own personal bias, but recognizing that and um, being able to uh, put that aside so that you're making the best decision, I think can be really helpful in that decision making process. I love that. This really plays into one thing we had talked about previously and that is authentic relationships. Mm -hmm. It's just never going to work if you're not real. Absolutely. And so what are what are your thoughts on like being real like 100% of the time no matter who you're with? I think um the biggest step in that is um really understanding who you are as a person and really identifying what your core values are. It starts with you. It starts with you. If you, it's hard to be your authentic self if you don't know who your authentic self is. Um, and then um, being that person unapologetically. That doesn't mean being disrespectful to other people, especially you know when you're engaging unusual voices or, or you're with people that have different viewpoints than you. That doesn't mean that you have to sacrifice who you are or be over the top and pushy with who you are, but just being um, genuine as you're embarking on a career path or you're um, lining up some of these big decisions that you're making what is your personal mission? Like, what is it that you're trying to accomplish in life? And do these decisions help align you with what your your personal mission is? And once you have all of those kind of key things in place, I think it makes it so much easier to develop relationships with other people that are meaningful and that matter. I have a, a little bit of social anxiety. <laughs> so yeah. going into big rooms of people and being forced to make small talk I'm not a fan of. And so when I get into a room, like I gravitate to the people that I know so I can engage in a, in a deeper conversation. Um, I went to a meeting where uh, somebody was presenting about the different layers of relationship and how there's people that you are on a first floor relationship and there's people, you know, you get to a second level where you're talking about new sports and weather, but moving through those into those deeper conversations um, is really important. Building relationships with people that are going to have your back no matter what. The only way that I think that that can truly happen is if you are your most authentic self and you also provide that for the person that's in that relationship with you, that they know that they can be their truest self. My favorite relationships are the ones where you know somebody at that deeper level and you're able to push them to try to become their best self, whether that means encouraging them in their next career path or encouraging them with a big life decision that they're making. Making, um, but building that trust between each other is fundamental to those authentic relationships. And it's important to have those on both your professional side as well as your personal side. Um, there's people that I have very authentic relationships, um, very business-centered authentic relationships, but so often a lot of that uh, 
relationship building is because they know more about me as as an individual. They know uh, who I am. They know, you know, that my my family is always going to be number one. And those people are typically the ones that don't put me in a position where I have to choose between professional and family. So you it's just it's such a mutually beneficial um, life balance to have those really deep connections that are authentic with people that support you holistically. I think when you're your real self, you know how you can contribute. And oh, absolutely. Then other people know how you can contribute to and how they can help you. I totally agree. Somebody, I was at a, um, a, a leadership Pocatello event last week and we were doing some icebreaker questions and somewhere the game took a turn for yeah. the good, I think. <laughs> and they started, instead of asking like, what's your favorite Christmas movie? It became, what's your biggest regret? And so people okay. answering these deep, questions, deep. It, yeah, it got real deep, which was awesome. I loved it because I'm not a small talk person, but it, the question came to me and it was, what was your biggest regret? And as I thought about it, it was um, joining Facebook and joining social media because I think that it changed, it changed a lot of relationships. It changed the way that I think about um, what I'm putting out there to the world. And I think that it can be really easy to create a um, a Facebook persona or an Instagram persona of who you are and, and people view your life through the lens of what you're posting on Facebook. Um, and I don't like to post all my dirty laundry and garbage on Facebook because nobody needs to know <laughs> that either, but yeah. it creates this very um, idealistic or idealized version of who you are. Mm-hmm. And the people that are then in your inner circle, like they know better. They know, they know that, you know, that picture definitely has six filters and has been face tuned. Um, but, but for me, like that whole, like moving into that, um, that social media platform world to me has changed relationships and some of them have been for the better, but I think that just as a whole in society, it's something that has changed who we are as a culture. And now we're struggling to keep up with what has this exactly done to relationships? What has this exactly done to to business? It has changed. It's just, it's changed everything. Yeah, it's created unhealthy competition. Oh, absolutely. Pretty much. And people all judge everybody. And I mean, mm-hmm. they'll, they'll look you up on a, on a platform and decide if they want to be your friend before they ever even talk to you. And I mean, not to, I don't think that social media is in and of itself evil. I think that there are tr- really wonderful things that come, that come from those platforms, but yeah. it, it definitely creates this, this weird, I don't even know what to call <laughs> dynamic, it. Yeah. This. It creates a weird social dynamic. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That I think as a society, we're still trying to navigate and to figure out. Yeah. Well, with relationships, uh, there's good and bad people. So how do you know if there's a toxic relationship and what do you do if you have one? Two ways that are kind of similar. Um, one, I mentioned those real authentic relationships are the people that you know have your best interest at heart. Mm-hmm. So if you're in a relationship with somebody who doesn't celebrate your successes or mourn for your failures, that's to me an indicator that this person is not an authentic relationship. This person um, doesn't uh, isn't going to have your back when the chips are down. 
So those toxic relationships, I think they identify themselves in those small ways. You get a promotion at work and you tell somebody and they aren't happy for you or, you know, they shrug it off, they shrug it off or they have to one up you in some way. Oh, great. You got a new job. Well, I got X, Y or Z. Um, but those people that can't just genuinely celebrate you and what is happening in your life, um, those are not the, you're realistic. Those are not the people that should be in your inner circle. And I think that that can go both ways. I think it requires a little bit of self-reflection to see if you're being the person in that relationship. If somebody is coming to you and sharing with you that they've had this success or, or this incredible thing has happened for them, are you genuinely happy for them? Or are you thinking about, well, how did they get that job when I know this, this, and this about them? And you and you question those things. So um, really knowing what your intent is in a relationship and, and being able to identify what the other person's intent is, I think that's how you identify where the toxicity could be in any relationship. Awesome. I love that. That was really well put. Moving forward, now that we've talked about it, what can someone do if they're craving more real relationships? I think start with the relationships that you already have. Um, So often the deepest relationships um, that we need in our life, like people are already there. Mm -hmm. And so investing time into those relationships and specifically into those people, getting more involved and more engaged in what they're doing and forgetting yourself a little bit in, in, in being a part of their life. And then I also think like not being afraid to meet new people, um, and, and whatever that looks like for you, I think that it's easy to be very cynical about new people coming in, um, especially if you've had a, a string of toxic relationships with other people. Um, but just being very acutely aware of how you're feeling in the relationship. I think that we don't give enough credit to our gut and to our instincts about people you know, invest yourself in them a little bit. Forget like what you're up to for a hot second to to let others in. Yeah, absolutely. What makes you feel accomplished? My family. They are the best thing that I've ever done. Having kids and um, having my marriage is the, it's just my greatest accomplishment in life. And I think that's because as my kids get older and being able to see their little personalities develop, yeah, yeah. and seeing the way that they reflect you or um, like one of my boys, he and I have butted heads for years until I realized that he is just a mini me. (laughs) So (laughs) we challenge each other because we we get each other. Mm -hmm. Um, So just raising my family with my husband definitely my big my biggest accomplishment and what are some qualities that your parents had that you really appreciate hardworking absolutely um my both my parents work full-time my dad worked out of town a lot he was only home on the weekends and so my mom worked and raised my brother and I primarily by herself and she, uh, she, when she was at work, she gave it a hundred percent. And then when she came home, she gave us her hundred percent. Um, and I always, you know, growing up in Southeast Idaho, there weren't, especially eighties, nineties, there weren't a lot of moms that were working outside of the home. And so it was something that as I was growing up, I was almost resentful toward that my mom was at work because she wasn't at, 
you know, school parties and she wasn't on the PTA and those things. And, um, but as I've gotten older and as I've been able to reflect on how that has impacted me now, um, I've always looked at my mom's example of how hard she worked as um, an encouragement for me. It's been uh, now being older, uh, it's been an empowerment and being able and and that's something that now with my boys, because, you know, there's always a heavy layer of mom guilt whenever mm -hmm. it doesn't matter. I've been stay at home mom full time and I've been working mom full time and being able to balance that. Um, I had resentment toward my mom that she worked, but I also was really proud that I had a mom that had a job. And so now, um, with my boys, like I like to bring them to work or I like them to see things that I'm doing. Cause I think it's really helpful for them to see that I have, I have goals or, and I have, um, people that rely on me and for them to see me succeed in a career, has has been really empowering for me as a mom. And I think that it will benefit my boys, especially because they've had to learn how to do things on their own. They've had to learn how to um, assist and help out. Uh, mom isn't always there to cook dinner and we make it work. So I think that it's... When you mentioned... Your son's getting out of football practice right now. Oh, yeah. Stuff. He's already called me three <laughs> times since this and, has started. Yeah, and you're here with me doing doing this thing, uh, which I appreciate very much, by the way. It's my pleasure. No, that's really good. And I can relate because I'm from a single parent home mm -hmm. and she's worked really, really hard and it's not easy. So, But it pushes you, right? Yeah. Like because it, it she... She has set that example for me. And when I didn't appreciate it, there's so many things that as you get older that you look back on and you see that your parents did. And it, I think it's easy to focus on the faults or the things that went wrong. Um, and I think it takes a certain amount of time and life experience to look back and realize that for the most part, our parents did the best that they could. And yeah. they, you know, they came with their own set of baggage before you showed up on the scene um, and not faulting them for those things, but yeah. using it as a learning process and and building on your own life experience. And yeah, yeah. You learn what not to do. You learn what to do. Oh, yeah. And all the things that I said that I would never do, I do. <laughs> like, not all of them, but like, I'm never going to yell at my kids. Uh, Yeah, that lasted about <laughs> till my oldest was a toddler. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what dream have you achieved and what dream do you still need to achieve or you still want to achieve? World domination. <laughs> <laughs> I always wanted to be a stay-at-home mom, and I think that stems from uh, having my mom working outside of the home when I was growing up. Um, but then when the opportunity was presented for me to be a stay-at-home mom and I was living that life and then realized that I became a, a crazy person staying at home, I didn't have the fulfillment that I thought I was going to achieve. And so being able to go back into the workforce and to have some of that external validation and those, um, you know, people telling me, oh, you've done a good job at this or, you know, those those things that you can all, all but put on a spreadsheet. Mm -hmm. uh, when you're stay at home mom, it, it, nobody gives a crap if you've done the dishes. They only care if there's no dishes in the cupboard for them to use that are clean. But when you're in the workforce, you have very specific things that are required of you and things that you can check off that are done. Somebody giving you that feedback saying, 
you know, you've done a good job at this. Um, so I think one of my lifetime goals has been able to, and, it, and it's ongoing, being able to balance my personal and my professional life. Because like I said, my family is everything. The roles that I'll have now and forever are a wife and a mother. And so being able to be my best self for them, that's my goal. And I am able to achieve that through my professional life because it helps me feel fulfilled. It helps me to um, build my talents. It helps me to gain confidence and it gives me so much. Um, it fills me up from the inside. So then I'm able to give them more of my true self. I love that. It's such a weird thing to reconcile. <laughs> and I had those yeah. crazy years where it was like, this is all I ever wanted. And now I have it. And now I feel so empty. And so having, you know, my husband that supported me and in, in, okay, go back to work and we'll make it work. And I'll take time off to watch the kids or I'll work late so that you can go to this meeting and being able to reconcile both of those aspects of myself was huge. Yeah. Well, and it's important to realize that, uh, just looking at everybody else, like mm -hmm. it makes it easier not to judge them. Oh, yeah. Like imagine all the celebrities out there that like all they ever wanted was that and then they made it and they have all the money in the world and now they're like, shoot, I hate my life. Yeah, you know? this doesn't mean anything to me. Yeah. yeah. And so, I mean, that's a really good that's a really good concept, really good point. Well, and for me also, especially as a mother, like if somebody is a stay at home mom and that fulfills them like I am so happy for that person that they have yeah. figured out what it is that they need but if mom needs to go out and work to support the family or to be I'm such a I'm a way better wife and mother when I am working than when I'm not and so understanding that everybody's life path looks a little bit different and being able to support women in whichever you know or, or anybody being able to support them in the path that fulfills them best as a human so what's the best thing and what's the worst thing about money? So I actually listened to um, a financial person ex uh, who was talking about the pros and cons of wealth. Mm -hmm. And studies have shown that up to a certain point, having X amount of money makes life so much easier. But once you go beyond that, it creates a whole other mess of problems. And the amount of money actually wasn't that much. It was somewhere around the $70,000 a year mark, mm -hmm. which is not a huge amount of money. Um, so I think kind of the good and bad is obviously having money, it alleviates, you know, that, that stress of food, shelter, clothing, being able yeah. to accomplish that. But once you have a surplus of money, it creates this whole other set of problems of, you know, the, like we talked about Facebook world. Are you keeping up with the Joneses? Are you putting, you know, are you, do you listen to Gary V? No. Oh man. That's literally something he says all the time. I love keeping it. up with the Joneses. Yeah. Keeping yeah. up with the Joneses. Yeah. Cause you do. I think that it, it's really easy to do that. Um, where you you have this idea of what money should be providing you and and the image that you're presenting to people and so I don't know I, I I'm one of those people that whenever I have thoughts about doing things it's never based on well am I going to get paid for this it's yeah. this is what I'm going to do because this is what makes me happy um, mm -hmm. which is why I'll never be a millionaire but I'm totally I'm totally happy with that like yeah. I like to have nice things and I like to provide my kids and and our family with nice things but for me money isn't a motivator 
it, it helps me provide for my family and it helps us to do things. But I think the bad is when we put money as a priority. If, if you could make a rule that everyone had to follow from now on, what rule would you make? This one I'm actually going to steal from somebody. I was at a conference, a youth, a youth leadership conference that we are a part of um, and through Rotary. And the rule or, or one of the things that we talked about was um, say yes because it's not about you. So doing things for other people. So if the rule was forgetting yourself and helping others, I think that that would change the world because I think it would change hearts. I think a lot of world problems would be solved if we didn't think about our own needs as often. Yeah, because there's definitely balance. Like, they Oh, yeah, you have to take care of yourself in order to take care of other people. But I think that especially in service, some of those deeper needs that we have, the feeling of being a part of something bigger than we are, the feeling like building those relationships, I think all of that can happen when we let go of, you know, taking looking out for number one. You know, you serve. How many times have you gone out to serve somebody and then been like, oh, well, that was a waste of my time or I didn't get anything out of that? Yeah, hopefully not. But hopefully if you not do, very that's... often. <laughs> and if you're walking away from those situations, like that's when it's like, let's take a deeper look and see what's really going on inside here because yeah. you're a little self-centered. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I love that. <laughs> uh, okay, so. What's your favorite word? One of the people that I love and admire most is my husband's grandma. And she uses the word tremendous. tremendous. And I love that word. I, yeah, I think I've used one. it like five times in this interview. It's just, it's better than very or amazing. It's tremendous. It's more jam-packed. Yeah. It's just more powerful. Yeah. I love that. Like it hits you, right? <laughs> yeah. Like if I say, I had just the most tremendous experience, right? It's better than saying, yeah, it was a cool experience. It was so great. <laughs> it was tremendous. Yeah. Yeah. Favorite social network platform or social media? Mm. Snapchat. Oh, really? I, yeah. No I love Snapchat. Snapchat. I love it because probably because the I, I think it's really easy to have a thousand friends on Facebook and you and it chooses the algorithm that puts whatever onto your Facebook feed and so you see the same people mm -hmm. over and over but for me Snapchat I only put those that are kind of in my inner circle in that and so for me I because I share a lot about my family or what's happening my day-to-day -day life and I love to to share that with a, a specific group of people. Awesome. Because you create like little inside jokes, like when something happens during your day and then you get, like it's more personal to me. Yeah. And then you send it to him. And then you send it to him. Yeah. Yeah. I love Snapchat. Favorite TV show right now? Parks and Rec. How come? Because I don't have to think. I just watch it and I laugh <laughs> and I love a strong female lead and yeah. I love Amy Poehler and everything that she does. She's amazing. <laughs> so yeah, they have such have, great humor. Do you have similar qualities as her? But like on there, it's like really emphasized or exaggerated. Yeah, so she has a binder for everything. And <laughs> I have walked into so many board meetings with my different board binders. And somebody always has to tease me that the 90s called and they want their trapper keeper back. <laughs> and I don't care because I love my binders. It keeps me organized and yep. I'm able to accomplish so much more with yeah. a binder. 
<laughs> you can really rule the world with a good binder. <laughs> Do you have a bucket list? And if so, like what's share something with us that's on your bucket list that you haven't done? Yeah, I think I I think everybody has a bucket list, whether they acknowledge it or not, or whether it's written down or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, most of my bucket list items are travel oriented. My husband and I, we love to travel and we love to go to different. Right now we're at a point in our life where we're traveling the U.S. and going to different cities and experiencing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's It's amazing when you get outside of Idaho or where you're directly from to see how things change. Um, And really the United States, it's so big and there's like, you go to different areas and there's this whole other culture. Like we're all the same country, but there are totally different cultures when you get outside. And I love to experience that and meet people from different areas. And so my bucket list is to increase that travel. I would love to go to to Europe and see all that old world history and just experience those different cultures and um, yeah, so most of my bucket list items are travel related. Also, big bucket list item is to finish my bachelor degree. Oh, I'm not done. I and that like that. is really hard for me to admit. <laughs> because <laughs> people assume that I finished and I totally have it. But no, I've got a friend going through that right now too, a little bit. He still technically isn't done with school, mm-hmm. but he just got a really good a project management job down in Utah for a for a pool building business. Yeah. And probably will settle down there for a while. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he was t- he called me the other day. He was joking a little bit, but he was like, you really don't need a degree, man. It's no, just you all really networking. T- it totally is. And that was so when I switched my bachelor's degree to um to marketing and advertising. And, um, I was going to school full time and Mary, I wasn't able to work as many hours and do as many things. And she's like, well, if you're wanting to do marketing and advertising, what are you wanting to do with that? And so as I was explaining to her what I was wanting to do, she's like, well, I can give you a job that is doing exactly that without three or whatever, more years of school. Mm -hmm. And so um, she doesn't like me to tell people that she encouraged me to drop out of school, but (laughs) (laughs) she did. And what I learned was in that field for me in this area, it was more important for me to have relationships and a network than it was to have a degree. However, as I've gotten older and I've recognized that that is something that I've always wanted for myself, neither one of my parents even graduated from high school. Um, and I was one of the first over generations to even go to college to begin with. So I've kind of felt a little bit of that pressure, but also um, it's just something I, I want. I want to show my kids that I've accomplished that. And so I've I've gone back to school and I'm, I'm doing a lot of online courses and, and things and I'm, and I'm working my way there mm-hmm. at a pace that isn't going to kill me or my family. Time's going to pass anyway, so I might as well be making little steps. Right. Something cool about college, at least in my mind, nowadays, 2019, with so many people saying you don't need it. Mm -hmm. I feel like if anything, it just shows your family, your friends, your future employers that you can stick to something. Right. And you can do it. Absolutely. I mean, that's four-year commitment of studies of whatever it is you do in that four years, but you stuck it through and you did it. Well, and finishing my last college math class, it was a very humbling experience to be being tutored by my 
16-year-old son who was helping me get through the math and, and switching roles. It really was an interesting dynamic mother and child to be in, in that, mm-hmm. that uh, relationship, but it's been good. And like you said, the only things we take with us really when we leave are our knowledge and our families, uh, which was why um, I've changed my major again. And I'm doing um, family and marriage science because if it's going to take time away from my family, it might as well be something that's benefiting my family in the end. That's really cool. Well, is there anything else that you for sure want to get on the podcast? Actually, we didn't talk about something. We didn't. That we should. And that is your pink ribbon tour. Right. What, tell us tell us about that. So that um, that's actually one of my other like big accomplishments. Um, something that I'm very proud of is starting a nonprofit organization with my husband the, um, where our mission is to raise awareness and to raise funds to assist uh, local cancer patients and their families. Um, our nonprofit organization is called Hope Rides. We've been in operation coming up on five years. And in those five years, we've donated about $70,000 that has all stayed right here locally. Um, and we we raise funds and we generate um, interest or awareness uh, through an event called the Pink Ribbon Tour. And it's a cycling event that we host in Pocatello. Uh, and we we ride Saturday, October 5th. Um, and all the money and, and everything that we make goes directly back into Southeast Idaho, like I said, to help uh, local cancer patients and their families to pay for all sorts of things. Uh, we've paid for women who need assistance paying for mammograms that are life-saving because so often women put you know, every, everybody else's needs ahead of their own. And instead of going and spending money on a mammogram, they're making sure that they have groceries in the fridge. So we try to assist that way. We also, when somebody receives a cancer diagnosis, oftentimes they have to take a leave of absence for work and they do that, which doesn't mean that the gas company is like, oh, you don't have to pay your gas bill this month. So we help pay utility payments. We help pay for um, prescription drugs. We help pay for gas cards for people that are traveling um, for treatment. Um, so all of those funds that are raised through Pink Ribbon Tour go to that. Awesome. Well, thank you for doing that. That's yeah. really cool. That's yeah. helping a lot of people. It's our pleasure. It's <laughs> Yeah, cancer is one of those things that impacts every single person. It's hard to find somebody who hasn't known somebody or been impacted by cancer. It's yeah. pretty universal, unfortunately. Yeah, but thankfully there are people like you guys out there making a difference and Hopefully. helping out, which yeah. is, which is sweet. I needed, I want to do something like that someday. That's cool. So you just inspired me and I'm oh, just good. like, now I'm just like, okay, so I still need to do something like that. <laughs> well, and that's like, to me, that's like such an important part of finding that balance and finding those things that you're passionate about that help push you that aren't the stress related things. Not that there's not a certain amount of stress that is involved with Pink Ribbon Tour, but I know that it's benefiting. It's I'm being a part of a solution. It takes that powerlessness out of a cancer diagnosis that my best friend received where I was able to. I can't take the cancer from her, but I can do something. And this is what I could do. So finding those passions in life are key. And it goes all the way back to what we said earlier about self-reflection, knowing who you are, what your values are. Yeah, what you want to do, what's important to you, what kind of legacy do you want to leave? 
That's awesome. Well, thank you, Victoria, for being on Upbeat with me. I appreciate it. Oh, it's absolutely my pleasure. Thank you so much. So there's my interview with Victoria Bird. Thank you again, Victoria, for being on the show with me. I appreciate it. It was so much fun and you added so much value. You guys, she added so much value that we can take and apply into our daily lives and make our lives better. So let's do that this week. And again, a reminder from the beginning, uh, if you have Apple, please subscribe to the show and rate it and review it because you have the privilege of doing so and nobody else on any other platform can (laughs) but if you're on other platforms uh hit the follow button do whatever you can do thank you guys i appreciate it see you next week